You're listening to the Ones Ready Podcast, a team of Air Force Special Operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your host, PJ Team Leader, former Indoc Instructor Supervisor, Entrepreneur, and Physician Assistant Student, Brian Silva. What's happening, everybody? Brian Silva here for the Ones Ready Podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Today, we have an awesome episode ready for you guys. I would like to thank Jared, Aaron, and Trent for coming in, and we welcome you guys all to the team room. So we're going to talk about something that we get tons and tons of questions on every single day, and we literally just got one right before we were about to shoot this episode. So we're going to talk about what you should be doing before you join in order to make yourself prepared for selection. We're going to be talking about college, what kind of exercises you're going to be doing, um, what you should do with your family if you have family or planning for a family, and then what you should do as far as having a job because most of you guys out there are in the workforce and you have all these things going on circulating through your head and you don't know how to juggle them. So we're going to talk about that. So let's go ahead and get into this thing. Like I said, we're going to talk about this stuff because not only do we get a lot of questions, but these are questions that kind of ran through our mind as we were preparing for selection. So I know we all had multiple jobs. We were trying to balance, like, how do we go to the gym if you're, you know, working at whatever job and then you have to go to the gym at night or you have to, the pool's closed or whatever. How do we do that? And then what do you tell your family? How did you, how is your family going to react? Because, you know, telling your family that you want to go jump out of planes for a living most of you guys, your moms are not going to be like, Oh, that sounds awesome. Go ahead. Enjoy it. <laughs> I, st- I still, to this day, do not tell my mom I'm deploying. She calls them camping trips and she just doesn't even want to know. <laughs> she's, <laughs> in denial. she's in complete, she's got four boys serving active duty in the military. We're just like, yeah, mom, we're just going to this camping trip. It's going to be pretty bland. <laughs> like people are going to like Afghanistan. Exactly. My mom, she doesn't even, she didn't know what I did for the longest time. She's like, what do you do? Ah, whatever. I sent you some tamales. I'm like, okay, thanks mom. (laughs) Like she didn't want to know about it. She didn't want to care about it. So, you know, for you guys that have those parents that are kind of, uh, you know, a little more concerned than let's say a little bit more engaged. Yeah. A little bit more. (laughs) Let's let's go ahead and say that. Mom, did you know I had a podcast? She didn't know that. All right. She still sent you some tamales, though, which yeah, is fine. Exactly. You know, exactly. right. I mean, I like tamales. I'll I love tamales. The show. <laughs> all right. So first up, for all you guys that are just joining out of high school, we're going to talk about um, what you should be doing while you're in high school and some of the things as far as sports and those kind of activities that you can be involved in that are going to help propel you forward and make you ready as far as mindset and getting you physically prepared as well. So we'll go straight to Aaron with this first one. Um, what do you think the best the best thing that a person can do while they're in high school sports, whatever, what's one of your top things, man. So I, I, the only other social media I have, so I obviously have the Instagram account and I I engage here on the podcast, but the only other social media that I engage in is I'm an administrator on a soft website. You would not believe how many times I have answered this question. People are like, I'm a junior in high school. I want to be a special operator. What should I be doing? My answer is always the same. Live your life, go to a dance, Go have a girlfriend. Go get yourself into some very bland, very low-level trouble. Stay out late with your friends. (laughs) Go study. Get some experience. Like these things, these career fields are going to be here. When when a, a high school sophomore or a freshman reaches out to me and they say, hey, what should I be doing in order to get ready for the rest of my life? Get some experience. Go on a road trip. Take this summer and drive to Florida. I mean, I don't know what to do because like th- these jobs and this career, like it, it's just that we were talking before we we started recording. But, you know, we're at 18 years, 20 years like this is going to be a huge part of your life. It's OK to have a different life first. It's OK to be present in high school and not constantly thinking about that next step. And what do I need to do today to prepare myself for this this future future thing? So, you know, the only caveat that I'll say to that Caveat means exception, by the way. That word is used incorrectly all the time, like Trent on our last podcast. Um, <laughs> the, only, the only caveat, the only exception that I'll have for that is like, no kidding, if you're a senior in high school and you plan on no kidding, as soon as you graduate getting out and getting in, sure, maybe some ASVAB prep, some study, maybe some some really, really basic stuff. Like if you're going into the Air Force, I don't know, maybe learn the rank structure, maybe learn how to how – to, um, 
differentiate between an officer and an enlisted person. The, the very most basic thing. The, the bridge that, that gets crossed that I think is a bridge too far is when people start talking about, well, I'm going to be a PJ, so should I start studying anatomy now? Or I'm a combat controller. Should I start studying how to, how to control an aircraft? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. So what, what what's the best thing a person can do while they're in high school? Get really, really good grades. Get some experience under your belt. Live a full life and make sure that this is what you want to do. I can't tell you how many times I changed what I wanted to do between 14 years old and 18 years old during my high school career. I changed 10, 15 times. And oh, by the way, being a pararescueman in the Air Force wasn't any of those. Like not not one time did I consider joining the military when I was in high school. It was never a thing. It, it happened long after that. So yeah, yeah. Live live your life. Have fun. Be be present in high school. Go to basketball games. Go to football games. Have a good time. Yeah, I totally agree. You have to enjoy all the time that you have. And and high school. That never crossed my mind at all. The military at all didn't cross my mind because nobody no. in my family was in the military. And I was like, eh, I'm, I'm just assuming that I'm going to go to college right after I'm done, which I did. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But Peach, I want to go to you. Um, so sport wise, I know Aaron's living in the moment, that kind of thing. Enjoy your life outside. But for sports, um, do you or even any of the rest of the guys have any sports that you would recommend guys do team sports, individual sports, whatever, what have you, what would you recommend for uh, guys and gals out there? Well, so different school districts have different leagues. Like I, like I would have been on a swim team or a water polo team in high school had my school had it or my area had it. So mm -hmm. anything that is going to get your, Metabolic conditioning up is going to be great for your preparation physically. Um, also, some kind of martial arts is great for metabolic conditioning, but also that discipline. So, you know, if your school has cross-country, lacrosse, water polo, um, wrestling, I mean, jiu-jitsu, yeah, yeah, absolutely, are all, are all fantastic, and I would, I would highly recommend that. You know, we get a lot of football players, too. The, the only issue with football is that they typically come in with a lot of injuries. Like, come in, you know, they're 18 years old and they've already had an ACL or MCL. Or CTE you know, or some sort of, yeah, they've yeah. already had their bell yeah. rung. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know they don't have yeah. just the leather helmets anymore, right? They actually have the leather helmets. <laughs> I didn't bring up CTE, but, <laughs> but you know, you, you get a lot of those guys in there. They've got weak knees or something like that. And it's just because of all the just punishment that they have taken. So, um, yes, obviously football and weight training are important as well. Um, you just got to, like, just take a little bit easier on football. You're you're not in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And if you I, are, I like, then you're going to be there. <laughs> I always liked wrestling just for the work ethic. Like wrestling, um yeah, mm -hmm. I, I was not a wrestler, but but knowing, you know, wrestling and, and through jujitsu and through grappling and stuff, I always loved the, you know, the work ethic of wrestling, the way yeah. that they get after the discipline it takes to be a wrestler, to be a really high high level um, practitioner of, of jujitsu or any of the any of the martial arts. I always love that as a baseline. So especially for me, like I have, a, you know, I have a 12 year old son. Yeah, I, I got him into jujitsu as well. And and he loved it. But I love the, the things that those sports te teach you, you know, you're you're on a team. But really, it's your individual effort day in, day out, and that commitment um, to the team uh, transfers over really well, at least from my experience. Yeah. And for me, whenever I was telling guys what they should be doing, you know, it's kind of that balance between, like you're saying, a wrestler with that extreme work ethic and then a surfer. Um, there are a lot of people that have been pro surfers or whatever, and they're just super confident because there's that water confidence and that ability to stay calm from a, a surfing per, you know aspect because you're going to get crushed by the waves and you just have to kind of go with it and everything like that they are pretty successful as far as again it's by region like peach was saying mm -hmm. but um they are super confident in the water and it's really awesome to see what they can do but they have to have that um, work ethic and dedication like a wrestler is going to have not to say that surfers don't but for the most part whenever you see a wrestler you know they're cutting weight they're constantly working and they have that one thing on their mind where it's like you know i'm going to win this next competition and they have that face-to-face -face kind of uh competition aspect where they either win or lose at this um, wrestling match whenever they go in there so i think um there's a big balance in there and then um just 
a good baseline for running somewhere in between there, some kind of impact, because we don't want guys that are going to show up and get injured, uh, kind of like Pete was saying, just because they've never done six miles before, or they've never rucked before, or any of that kind of stuff. So I'd say some kind of running thing, whether it's track, cross country, whatever, uh, would be huge. I know my, my background was soccer, right? So having that huge aerobic baseline and the athleticism and, and being able to, you know, uh, when you're rucking and, you know, you're not on secure footing and having that athletic background where you're changing directions all the time and you're, you're, the, your legs are built up uh, to take some of that, uh, I think helped me a lot. And then the, uh, the rock climbing. Uh, rock climbing, what it did for me is, like, it helped me understand how my body works or doesn't work and how to use it all in, in at the same time to, to achieve that goal. But, um, like, the aerobic baseline was huge. And then uh, some kind of athleticism, like changing directions. Uh, cross country is good, but if you're just running straight forward 100% of the time, uh, you need to throw some other training in there to change Our directions. Our fields are awesome stuff. at getting people that run in straight lines and do push-ups, pull-ups. And stuff. <laughs> the, the, the easiest way to figure out who's who in a team room is get any ball and throw it in the middle of the room and then see like who shies away from said ball and then who wants to throw the ball around. <laughs> There's nothing more fun than playing basketball with green berets. It's just like <laughs> trying to dribble. Like, yeah, <laughs> I looked like very good dribbling. Yeah, exactly. That's what my example was. All right. Yeah, so you guys really have good. any other examples of kind of job related? Because I get, you know, we get questions all the time. Like Trent was saying the rock climbing thing. Like, should I be really good at rock climbing right now? Um, should I go to a course where I'm, you know, mountaineering before I show up or the whatever kind of thing? So how do you guys feel about that? Well, I think I mean, it, I think it goes back to what Aaron was talking about with experience, just experience things. You don't have to go to a mountaineering course or you know, get certified into whatever levels of, of rock climbing. It's just, hey, it's a life experience. Do rock climbing for six months or a year. Yeah, okay, if you, now if you, go to yeah. something else. Like, just experience. If, if you like it, great. If you yeah. want to go to if you want to go to a civilian drop zone and get a couple drops, go ahead. But I don't need you to come in with your D license. Like, you don't need to, like, focus on it, like, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't need you to be a mountain guide. Like, go have fun. Go If you want to go skydiving, go skydiving. But that doesn't, you know, it's not necessarily going to be a thing. Everything doesn't need to be training for your future life. If you yeah, like it don't. and it's your hobby. Yeah, don't go skydiving in order to be like a sky god when you show up and show off to all the rest of you know the instructors and be like, look, bro, hey, look, let me uh, sit flat. I mean, yeah, I, I know this is like a basic free fall school, but I noticed your left knee was a little low and you pulled like. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not like basic, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, I'm an AFFI in the civilian world, so like, I mean, can we just like start off on a backfly? Yeah. <laughs> All right. like guys are like, should I do Muay Thai or, or jits, right? It's whatever you enjoy. Same with workouts. Like whatever you can sustain and enjoy that's going to, you know, help you build that mindset and that capability, Yeah, you know. And reduce boredom. Down. Yeah, right. for sure. All right. So I think we hit it hard on that. Um, let's go to the college aspect of things. Uh, big question that everyone always asks, you know, should I do the college first and then go in or should I do it while I'm in there? That kind of thing. Um, so Peach, I'm going to ask you directly. I know you have college and you're very intelligent. To, you're very smarted. I'm smarted. Yeah, you're very smarted. As opposed to indirectly you, asking Peach. Trent, see, ask Peach about college. So in your duties, yeah, I want you to relay this to Peach. <laughs> have you found, how have you found college helpful in your duties as a CCT? Okay, so there's a couple different aspects to this. In terms of someone asking me straight up, hey, you've got a college degree, now you can push forward. No, that hasn't helped at all. Uh, what it has helped in is is my writing ability. So, you know, if, if, if I need to write a white paper for some kind of material solution that we're looking to do, great, it has helped out with that. Some of the knowledge that I've learned in terms of history and different threats that are out there because my my degree is based in homeland security so you know we we focused a lot on you know critical infrastructure and agricultural and stuff like that so those are aspects that i never really considered beforehand so that kind of knowledge was great um and then the writing piece the writing piece has helped me out the most but other than that like not a requirement and not necessarily um 
something that I would recommend doing. If you want to better yourself, like absolutely take, like if I'm going, and I don't know if we're going to hit this later, but if I'm going to recommend a, a class, like if you want to go take a three-day course in something, then it would be, you know, Microsoft PowerPoint, Excel, or something like that just to help you out <laughs> later on. That's so or, sad. That PowerPoint tab. So yeah, yeah. sad. I still well, need to but, have that but class. I, but I don't mean it as in a, like, oh, because that's what you're going to be doing a lot of. It's just, so you, you see different, <clears throat> excuse me, you see different people in terms of um, whenever something that needs to be written, like a white paper needs to be written on this, you get like, oh, people are just, oh, man, dude, this is going to take me a long time to knock out. Or you could be a little bit better at it and have that experience and that education and then you could see, oh yeah, yeah, dude, give me half an hour and I'll knock this white paper out. Not yeah, a big this, deal. And so, with the amount of stuff out there, like TED Talks and webinars and other things that you can do, there's tons of things that you can do to make yourself better just on the, you know, on a whim. You can no kidding, just find one of those two or three days web you know, webinar sort of deals that mm -hmm. is, is awesome. Yep. All right, Aaron. So what do you think about a person? <laughs> Because a lot of guys that are coming in and they always ask, should I go to paramedic school right now or should I wait until I get into the pipeline? So what would you say to those guys that are coming uh, from PJ specifically? Uh, the same thing I always say. I mean, I guess like if you want to, like here's the deal, man. Like if you're if you go the fastest civilian programs that you're going to find and, and I'm sure somebody's going to. I'll, I'll put this out there. The fastest civilian programs you're going to find are going to be like 16, six, you know, 12, 14, 16 months, all the way up to like two years to get your paramedic done. And then you're going to have to like go use that cert. And then there's like this big delay of you finally got certified and now you're going to get in and you're going to get in the pipeline. The rule with paramedic in the pipeline is if you're a paramedic, but you're current and qualified all the way through the pipeline, then you don't have to go through the pararescue apprentice course paramedic program, which is run out of the same building, right? So I guess if you want to, or if you're working as a paramedic, that's a natural thing. But would I ever say, okay, I want you to take two years before you get in and I want you to go get paramedic done because it's going to save you about seven uh, months of training because that's what it works out to be. We do paramedic in like seven months tops and you go from high school graduate to nationally registered paramedic in that time. And you Clinicals won't be included. And you won't yeah. be in debt at all, <laughs> right? Yeah, like you. And by the way, you have a strength and conditioning entire team that is just waiting for you to get done with class, and you come in and you're still working out, and you're still doing these things, and you're still moving towards all of those other goals. So again, I would never discourage anybody. Like if you th if you think that's going to set you up for success, like if you want to be a paramedic before you come in, because you know whatever. Really, the time commitment it doesn't really get you out of that much. It might move you forward a little bit, but. Um, I, I, I don't know if I would personally recommend it. I try to stay away from giving advice, but if it was me and the decision was get in right now, get into selection, get selected, and then go on, uh, for other parts of my pipeline, as opposed to waiting, I would not wait. That's, and that's just me. And because you're like, what are you going to do? Spend two years in a civilian paramedic program, getting that only to not get selected at A&S. Like that kind of, it's, it's, it's putting the cart before the horse a little bit for me. And that's a reality. That's 100% a reality is, you, you know, the people that ask me, should I be a paramedic before I get in? No, you should get selected before you start spending time, money, and effort uh, towards all these other things um, as, as far as that's, that's concerned, I guess. But that's my short answer is, you know, would I, would I recommend that a person go to, to be a paramedic before? No. I really wouldn't for a bunch of different reasons, but that's not to say it, it doesn't work. And I had friends that were already paramedics. Um, they didn't do it specifically for the pipeline, but I did have friends that were working as paramedics and they didn't have to go to paramedic class and they graduated before me, even though we went to NDOC together, but it's neither here nor there, I guess. Short answer, no. Yeah, 100%. There's a timeline and I think you pretty much extend your timeline. And not only that, you're not going to be able to follow through with your team because as you go through the pipeline, you graduate selection, most of the time you kind of go through every course with your team. And if you're skipping paramedic, then you're not going to be able to graduate with those dudes, which is not a terrible thing, but it's just another thing that uh, you might consider. So I wouldn't recommend either anybody, you know, trying to do paramedic school unless they already have it or whatever, they're already enrolled or something like that under some kind of extraneous circumstance, but I wouldn't recommend it at all. 
before you join. Um, so Trent, is there anything that you, any school course, anything that, anything else that you could think of that you would recommend people join before they go? I, re- I know personally I did, I would recommend like a, something with the ASVAB if you're really bad at taking tests or you scored low, retake that test or something, um, you know, something like that. But aside from that, is there anything else you can think of that you would recommend? Well, I think everybody should get a master's degree and be part of a three-letter agency <laughs> before they switch over to become SR. That, that way you're prepared to... Yeah, yeah. Just prepare that yeah. way. No, it's, well, I mean, you're prepared to be a three-level at that point. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 They, that's you're, the, that's you're still the basic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're still... You can be a good CIA operative, but the second that you get into the SR career field, baby, you're bottom <laughs> of the totem pole. <laughs> I, it, I don't know. There's the... We're, we're going to we're gonna give you everything that you actually need. Um, being a, a relatively smart individual and, and being a flexible person, um, like psychologically flexible and, and being mentally and physically prepared and all that other crap, it's, that's the most important thing and just getting selected. Um, I, don't really, I don't really care about your background. Like if you show up and you're like, I have a, a master's degree in whatever – espionage or I don't care where it is. They literally went to spy school. Right. Yeah. Like I, I don't care. Like I, that doesn't play into whether you're selected or not. It doesn't play into anything else. And, uh, the, the, one of the shortfalls of, of doing a lot of these things, like guys like, should I learn how to land now? Should I learn a bunch of these other skills is you're going to develop habits along that way. And you're going to develop uh, pathways in your brain of a certain way to do business and that might not be the way that we do business. Um, like we get guys in that, that shoot recreationally and to teach them how to shoot correctly as opposed to take someone that's never shot before, it's, it's a whole different thing. Like I got to get a guy to unlearn his bad habits to shoot correctly, whereas if I take a blank sheet of paper, I teach them right the first time and their, their path to uh, being a good shooter is probably a little bit shorter. So um, just be careful about, about what you're putting in your brain, habits you're picking up uh, because – uh, breaking some of those habits and relearning those things might be a little more difficult. Well, that, and, and it's an instructional thing too. Like I always used to tell the students, like, I want you, you don't need to lean forward and learn the next block of training. I don't want you studying. If you're in land nav right now, I don't want you focusing on medicine. If you're in medicine right now, I don't want you focusing on air operations. Part of evaluating and having like training somebody from the ground up is giving them new information and see how they take in and then apply that new information. Like sometimes I want you to walk into a classroom blind and be like, all right, here's what we're learning today. I'm going to teach you. It's going to be short. I'm going to demonstrate it. And then you're going to do it. That gives me valuable information about what type of adult learner you are, what type of operator you can be, where your strengths and weaknesses are. If you've already prepared for that event, you could give me a, both a false negative or a false positive. If you, if you have those bad habits, I can I might look at you and be like, nope. This guy's not trainable. He's not coachable. He's doing things the wrong way. He, he won't do things the way that I like. You could really set yourself up for failure by doing that, actually. And, and that's one of those things I always sort of, you know, advised against, I guess. Yeah, that's one of those things of, like you said, being present in the moment, not trying to like forecast too much ahead, just like kind of the trend of what we're talking about here is if you are actually paying attention to what the instructor is trying to tell you, or if you're just going to do your own thing either way. And if you're not coachable, you're not trainable, then why would the instructor want to spend time on, you know, teaching you the correct way to do it? Because you're just always going to revert back to whatever you'd learned previously. And that's kind of what you see in a lot of uh, trainees that are less successful. So. Yeah, that is a, a definitely a huge thing. Um, as far as college is concerned, um, if a guy is already enrolled in college, and I just wanted to put this out there because I was one of those people that was kind of enrolled in college and I was two years into it and I had withdrawn myself from a bunch of different classes and I was really just hating my life. Um, I didn't see anything any value in continuing it with college because I was going for like a general degree and whatever, because I felt like it was something that I needed to do. Um, and then what, what I, were you going for? Indigenous dance theory? Was that yeah. the initial one? Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's what I was best at at the time. So <laughs> I just thought I would follow, you know, my pre-guided path. <laughs> well, that's um, one thing that I've always said about you, Brian, is that you're going to be the world's best indigenous dance theory uh, aficionado. Yeah, and you're not wrong. I do that in my off time. <laughs> so, anyway, 
I I got out of college because I, I felt like it wasn't anything that I I could really get into and I wasn't enjoying the time that I was doing. I was having over there. I felt like I wasn't going to progress. So for you guys out there, were you guys in college or would you recommend guys finishing out college or how do you, how do you, or, uh, how do you recommend they navigate that? Well, I, I tell you from a monetary side that if you are going to not utilize the degree or you're going to keep signing up for classes and then withdrawing because you're miserable or maybe you're running out of money or maybe you're digging yourself further into debt, you need to stop and you just come in. Don't, don't get yourself into more debt just to finish that degree. Like that's, that's crazy. To, yeah. to me, from a monetary standpoint, I know everybody's situation is different, but that's just looking at it like that. I think that's the more responsible uh, path. All right. So next yeah. question is <clears throat> for those guys that are, you know, in, in college or whatever, they're paying, they're working a job. Um, when do you recommend guys quit their job before they join? Right now, everybody go quit your job. Everybody, everybody well, quit your job. All right. <laughs> yeah. all right. Well, We're see you. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, man, that's on. It, that's such a personal question. Like, how long can you survive on whatever savings it is you have? How how quick is your ship date? Is it a hard date? Are you for sure going to leave? Like, all those other things. Um, you know, if you, if you have the ability to to not work um, for a period before you go in and you can kind of like get your mind right and focus only on that, cool. But I don't know a lot of people, especially you're talking like 18 to 24-year-old dudes, that age group typically doesn't have the best foresight uh, as far as, you know, putting money away in savings just in case. So but They haven't um, had the opportunity to either. It's not like they're making a crazy amount of money either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I think one of the big things, though, like we talk about with work ethic and being able to kind of balance all the stuff that you have going on and really creating a solid operator, like you're saying, going through these experiences as you're young is being able to balance life and work and prioritizing, you know, parties and hanging out with whoever versus, you know, the job and how much funds you actually have to do all these things, because as a, you know, teenager getting ready after high school you don't have a lot of bills but you do have bills everyone has a cell phone now you have a car probably or insurance that you have to pay for um you know you have to eat all that kind of stuff so being kind of a self-sustaining entity like you know have to rely as much on your parents hopefully they're going to help you out you know a little bit but if not then you need to balance out what you're doing so um i kind of um, recommend that guys go through that and just have a little bit of experience with that and know that, you know, not everything's going to be handed to you all the time and you have to work for all these things that, um, you, you're going to be, um, put through whenever you get into that pipeline. So I think important aspect of that is, you know, having your job and I quit like a month before I was about to join just to clean up everything and say bye to everyone and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I had saved up enough to cover me for at least that month. And then also you have to think about once you get into the military, you're not going to get paid the day you show up or whatever. So it might take a month or two months. Some guys went through the entire indoc without getting paid, which was bad on the finance yeah. or whatever. But you know, yeah. if, they had, <laughs> if they had family, then it took you know a second. So just keep all that stuff in mind whenever you're uh, getting ready to quit your job. Well, and guys, we're, for all y'all out there, like we all have our experiences and we're victims of our experience to a certain extent, just like everybody else. Like, I don't know you. I don't know your situation. <laughs> like, you're like, I live in Pennsylvania. Should I quit my job today and drop out of college and join? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no sure. Sounds good. Clue. Like, whatever. Like, that's what I did. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, quit. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's, it's I fine. mean, I worked a shift the day that I went to MEPS. Like, that's no awesome. kidding. Uh, well, it's also a lie, but there's no way for you to verify it. So it's what it's going to be. It's going to be one of those fake news things that just happens. But like, did you hear Aaron worked right up? To, I can't remember when I quit my job to come in, actually. Like, I'm trying to think about that. Like, I can't remember when. I know it was it was pretty close because I was living in Northeast Ohio and I was broke. Uh, and I, you know, had been in college for like two and a half or three years or whatever. So I had, you know, student loans and all that other stuff. So, again, it's it's just like Trent was saying, it's largely individual. Like it completely depends on you as a person and what your, what your situation is. There's really no great answer uh, right now. Everybody just go quit. <laughs> All right. All right. 
So let's get into some more exercising topics and all these things that guys definitely have on their mind. So um, what kind of exercise routine, Aaron, were you doing kind of prior to join and where do you recommend guys are at fitness level wise? So before I joined, when I was, uh, you know, when I was first coming in, so this is, I mean, 1990 or I'm sorry, 2001. So I had no idea. Uh, I was a swimmer, so I had been doing some swimming, but again, like I kind of went into to power rescue pretty much blind, like September 11th happened. Um, I said that I wanted to go, I think I depped in like September 25th or something. And I was gone by January. So I hadn't been training beforehand. I was not hugely physically active. Like it wasn't a thing that I devoted a ton of time to. So we're going to ignore that first part. The second part <laughs> is, is probably the more apropos one. Cause I knew what I was getting into. Right. So, um, you know, first things first, like train for specificity. I knew that I was going to be running in straight lines, jumping, doing pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups and swimming. So that's all I focused on. I would swim three days a week. I would do underwaters and do my, you know, do, you know, very bland drills. I wasn't killing myself doing buddy breathing every day. I wasn't killing myself on long, long fins and stuff, but doing basic water con and then push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, rucking were the, were the things that I focused on because I just wanted to be ready for, for that in dock. Right. And I was not at grad saying I went into in dock, um, a little bit heavy. So I had a little bit of extra body fat because I knew that I was going to lose it. So I think I was like 205 or 210 when I went to in dock and graduated at 178. So, um, oh. I know it was good. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, a lot of that body fat to lose. Yeah. Oh, shredded. Absolutely. Just eight pack. Not really. Um, and I was still ugly, so it didn't matter, but, um, but I wasn't, I wasn't at grad standards because I knew, because I trusted the process and I knew that they were going to get me there. Like I knew that they were going to train me to get to grad standards because that's what the staff at all of the selections do. This is across the board. They are meant to take the lowest common denominator and that's not me being mean. They're meant to take the person that is on the borderline that can barely pass the pass test. Like literally do the bare minimums, the courses are set up to get that person to graduate as long as they don't fit. So I put a lot of faith in that. And I just knew I was like, I'm going to go in a little bit heavy. I'm not going to be running the fastest. I'm not going to be doing, you know, 20 pull-ups and 100 push-ups and sit-ups like that. That was just not where I was because I didn't want to be on that line of overtraining. I wanted to have a little bit of a little bit of space to where I could get better, and then I was peaking at the right time. As opposed to if you go in there and you're as physically fit, if you're at your 100% physical fitness, I got to be honest with you, you're only going to go down. You are only going to decline because we are they're going to push you past that limit. So it's a it's more of a an art than it is a science. So. Um, bottom line, you know, what would I be focusing on? I'd be focusing on what am I going to be evaluated on? And in assessment selection, it's stress tolerance under pressure, pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, swimming, running, rocking. All right. And so you guys are understand, uh, the grad standards are not a thing right now. Who's talking about right, the in yeah. grad standards for selection right now, there is not an exit standard or test that you're going to be physically put through. Like as far as charting these exact numbers, if you go under one push up or whatever, then you fail everything. It's a right. lot different right now. Um, the grad standards that he's referencing for in doc specifically. So I kind of, uh, I agree that you should be able to be trainable and you should at least room for improvement. Um, but as far as the grass standards are concerned, I think that is a level that you can aim for. I'm not saying that you should be able to like stop everything How dare you're doing. You? Did you just disagree? How <laughs> dare you, Brian? You don't need to be stopping. <laughs> Hold on. All right. So you don't <laughs> All right. So you don't have to uh, base your timeline off of that. Like, you know, it's going to take you, I'm, I've been trying at this for a year and I can't get grand standards or whatever. Well, let me just keep on doing it for another year. That's ridiculous. If you can't do it, then don't do it. But if you have four months then hit the, as your benchmark, you know, if you can get this many pushups or as close to it as possible, then get it within your means that you have around you. You know, some people don't have a pool. Some people don't have, you know, whatever kind of, uh, cash to make a rock or whatever, um, which we could talk about later on different tips on how you could do that. But, um, the bottom line is you guys need to have some kind of thing that you're aiming for. The past test is okay right now. Like they lowered the numbers and I think that you should aim above that pass test definitely because you don't want to be hitting the minimums on anything anytime that you show up for especially a selection because you see a, a minimum standard, then that's kind of what you think of that person is that you're always going to achieve the minimum that they let you achieve. So 
um, use, I'd say use the grad standards as kind of like, you know, your what you're aiming for, you know, and if yeah. you hit a little bit below that, then that's fine. Like at least you're getting close and you have something to strive for before you get in. So, and, and we you talked, guys, yeah, yeah we, we talked about it before, but the more physically fit you are, the easier it's going to be for you in those high stress scenarios where everybody else is like dying. If you're not, if you're not, you know, in the fight that hard, you're going to be able to lead better. You're going to be able to answer questions better. You're going to be able to look like you're more calm in the moment. Those are all things that we look for at A&S. So your physical fitness directly correlates to your assessment and selection. It's just not tied to a number anymore. So the more physically fit you are, the easier you're going to be able to deal with stress. Yeah, exactly. Just like Aaron was saying, if you are physically fit, and that's one component of what they're going to look at for you being selected. And the other components are personality based, some of those innate traits that you have that you want that they want to see exemplified throughout because they're going to be writing stuff down. So, yeah, but like if we, when we talk about that, you know, 100%, 80% of it's mental and 20% of it's physical, if I can negate having the stress or worry about 20% of that because I'm already physically there. Like I'm, I'm setting myself up for, for uh, success. And at the same time, like when Aaron was talking about kind of overtraining and, and the timing of it, you definitely want to time that right because, a, you know, a race car can only run for so long in the red. And you're, if you're at that peak performance, you're essentially in the red and you can't spend the pre, pre-pipeline and into the pipeline in the, you know, quote unquote red the entire time because you're just yeah. going to burn out or you're going to injure yourself. And we haven't even started talking about BA or uh, special warfare prep yet. Like we haven't even started <laughs> like true. talking about the eight <laughs> weeks, you know, the eight weeks that you're going to spend. If so you're going to go to basic training for eight weeks and then you're going to go into BA or I keep on a BA prep, but special warfare prep for another eight weeks prior to getting to assessment selection. So that's something you got to factor into your calculus as well. Absolutely. And I recommend guys take a couple of weeks before they actually join. Like don't go on a like hell day or whatever the day before you show up for basic training and you're just smoked and wrecked and you're just like, don't, don't do anything crazy like that. And between you working out and then join the military, spend time with your family, you know, hang out with those people that you love and you tell them that you care and all that stuff. Cause you're not going to see them for a little bit and it's going to be the first time. And it's going to be kind of a little bit of a, a shock to you. So do that. I would, I'd recommend that. So going back into the exercising realm, CrossFit, I want to talk about this specifically because this has hit a lot. And, um, I know a lot of us have done CrossFit in the past and stuff. Um, as far as my point of view is CrossFit for selection. It's an awesome tool. You get to work out with a team, you get to lift, you get to, you know, uh, get used to carrying that weight and doing functional exercises. Awesome. But from my point of view, it's not the only thing you can't only do CrossFit and feel like you're going to be ready. Peach, I know you post <laughs> CrossFit workouts all the time. So I just want to get your perspective on how you can u- utilize that and what you should supplement if you're just, if you're doing CrossFit. No, I agree. I, it's a, it's a great tool and that's all it is. It's a tool. It is not the only thing. And, and I would say that if you only did CrossFit and you only swam laps, you're not going to do well in, in the pipeline. <laughs> you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're going to be. You're going to be. Your your metabolic conditioning is probably going to be there in short stints, but you won't have that long distance running. Anybody that does yeah. CrossFit, with the exception of idiots like me. You know, I enjoy the running wads. You know, the workouts of the day. You know, because that's hey, I can I can run so. It's, it's great for me, but you have to supplement CrossFit and you're doing it. Keep doing it. That's great. But you're going to need to focus on no kidding push-ups, strict pull-ups, actual sit-ups. You're going to have to ruck. I didn't know what rucking was when I was in high school, so I didn't, I didn't ruck. Um, but if you can, and Brian said we're going to talk about it, but uh, get a ruck. Get in the pool. Just... Be comfortable in the pool. So you have to supplement all those things and and continue to cross it. That's great because you're still going to build that metabolic conditioning. You're still going to build some muscle. And uh, and like you said, Brian, you do get that team community uh, workout and suck. (laughs) And whatever we're calling it. So CrossFit or Renaissance periodization programs or any of these other, you know, you know, specific programs, they're called a GPP 
a general physical preparedness program, right? So that's what you're, you're preparing generally for everything and not specifically for one thing, right? So at some point, again, you have to do the exercises that you're going to be evaluated on. So man, as a baseline, I don't have a, a problem with CrossFit or any other high intensity interval training program or any any strength and conditioning program or any of the linear programs. They're, they're all good. They're all good for you know what it is that they're meant to do as a baseline. But just like Peaches was saying, and I'll echo, I'll echo it, I'll piggyback, but not caveat, Trent, um, <laughs> that, that it is, it is your baseline i didn't go to college i think we covered this (laughs) (laughs) you know what you should have went to college before you got into sr and i'm going to change my answer from earlier i went to college parties but didn't Uh, really make the class uh, (laughs) you were just invited all right you guys didn't know we're going to get a lesson on english here (laughs) perfect all right so we totally agree you know use the crossfit be in that same environment and be able to you know, lift all those weights functionally. They have some great exercises and it's a lot of fun to do all those, be in CrossFit and hang out with those people. And it gets you motivated to wake up in the morning and be there at six. So you can be there with the rest of the team. So I wholly agree as far as, you know, we'll get into some of the rucking right now and I'll go to Trent after I'm done with this, but, um, so rucking is a huge part. And when I speak to any of the instructors there, one of the main things that they say is people get shin splints from rucking and they're just not used to carrying that weight. You know, if you're one of those guys, most of us are fairly light when we are younger, you know, we have that high metabolism where hundred and whatever, 40 to 170 pounds. Um, and we're fairly light. So once you start throwing on that extra 60 pounds of weight, your body's never done that before. And you're going to end up getting injured. So, um, you know, that's one of the things that I would recommend guys do before they come in. I went to like some thrift store and bought a backpack that I thought could carry a decent amount of weight. And I threw um, a salt bag or sandbag in there and I climbed up and down the uh, bleachers when I was going through, you know, at my high school or whatever. And I would just go on rucks like that, going up and down the bleachers as many times as I possibly could. So um, as far as, you know, Trent, what would you recommend and what do you see as the biggest deficiency for guys that were coming in? And how could they prepare? So I think injuries come from imbalance from my perspective. Um, And so I know I made this mistake a lot early on is I didn't understand how my body worked. I had no idea what the posterior chain was. Uh, I, you know, I I walked around in running shoes like it was a good for me to have my heel jacked up, especially back (laughs) in the day. You know, like Nike shocks, Mm -hmm. you know, the shocks were like this long and you're just like walking around because you're cool. (laughs) Oh, I had this. but it creates imbalances in your body. Um, so you, you need to understand that like one of the good thing about CrossFit or kettlebell workouts is working that posterior chain and balancing your body out. Uh, there's two sides of your calf, right? So you need to be able to use all of those uh, muscles and build them up slowly, uh, running around barefoot. Like I like to play basketball barefoot if I ever feel anything going wrong. Um, jumping up on the pull-up bar and, and dropping off of it, you'll find out real quick if you're barefoot if your body is is used to dealing with those things without your shoes um so so when it comes to rucking specifically doing doing those types of exercises and creating a strong posterior chain i don't think only helps your ruck but i also think it helps uh, your run and everything else the, the, the stronger your back is the less effort you have to put into keeping your posture correct while you're doing everything um, and I'd feel it on my runs, you know, like, cause you feel you're like six miles into a, a run and you, what, what do you want to do? You want to, you know, like you feel your core and everything start to go a little bit and you're spending <laughs> a lot of energy just trying to keep your body in the correct position. And once you come out of the correct position, whether you're rucking or you're running, uh, that's where injuries are going to come from. And if you're imbalanced, it's just going to, you know, spiral out of control and you're going to fall apart. Um, so that, that took me a long time to figure out how to balance my body out and, and my posterior chain is if I can only work out one thing a week, that's what I'm going to do to, to help shore up those weaknesses. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw, um, actually a lot of guys, the same thing, whenever you're talking about pull-ups, you know, that grip strength is one of those gigantic things that we would always kind of test guys on, whether you're going to be carrying, you know, jerry cans or you're on the pull-up bar and you fall down before everyone else. Cause you can't stay up there long enough. Um, you know, the grip strength is just huge and you're going to be using that your entire career, Lit- carrying litters, carrying whatever you're always going to be using that grip strength. Um, so let's go over to Aaron as far as getting in the pool. Cause Aaron's like one of the best swimmers that is out there. You know, he was you were almost, Dang. <laughs> absolutely. Ooh. I'm yeah. not even, you guys not even know the best this about swimmer. Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but not even the best is... swimmer on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 
you know, there's a lot of people that haven't been able to swim a fish or are having trouble in the pool and stuff. You, any recommendations on where to start? Cause I know, you know, it's a struggle for everyone, but you specifically have told me in the past that it was kind of a little bit of a struggle for you. So what would you yeah. recommend for guys? Yeah. So I, I mean, I swam my whole life, right? So, uh, I swam, you know, I, I started swimming year round. I think when I, when I figured out I wasn't as good as at uh, baseball or basketball, which were my other two sports I played when I was young. So I started swimming year round when I was, I think I was like, uh, nine or 10 or something. And then from there I just swam, I, I played water polo at Ohio state. So Ohio is a huge swimming, uh, state. I was nowhere near competitive in that state. Um, just because we produced mad Olympians out of Northeast Ohio. There was a, a high school near me that produced like four Olympians in Jeez. like a 10 in like a 10 year time. Yeah. No, no kidding. So, um, it was really, really big there. It was, uh, it was one of those things that was not competitive. I was a middling swimmer to, to put that out there. But the number one thing that you have to do, you have to be in the pool. Like you have to get in the water and swim like you like there is a lot to be said for actually getting in and having that time in the pool. Uh, I, I don't think there's any substitute for it. Back in the day, there were there were unless you had a swim coach or unless you had somebody that was going to teach you how to swim. There are very few resources out there. Now there's a, a million things. Just go to go to YouTube and Google improve my swimming or go to totalimmersion.com and and look at their swimming programs and they will give you um, video coaching. There's um, all, all, all sorts of resources that you can be a better swimmer. But really, even if you're just doing it on your own, being in the pool and kind of struggling through, like it, it's always a progression, right? Like you start and you're just like fighting the water with every stroke. And then eventually you're like, Hey, if, you know, if I plane out a little bit more and I get my body nice and flat and I, I figure out how to breathe and you don't necessarily need to be doing, you know, flip turns and a whole bunch, you, you don't need to learn butterfly to come to A&S, right? Like you don't need to, <laughs> you don't need to be, um, a competitive swimmer, but you should at least be efficient. It should be a point where, you know, you can easily swim, you know, 200, 300 meters, um, you know, just back and forth. And that's, that's a warm up. That's not like your entire event. So number one thing is, is time in the pool. If you don't have a pool, you can always do more studying and use your resources that are out there with YouTube or total immersion, or even getting a hold of us and, and letting us help you find some other resources. Um, but the number one thing, man, you just got to be in the water. It's one of those things where you just, there's no substitute for just getting in there and knocking out meters. Yeah. Man. Whenever people start some of my programs, they're like, I can't do more than 25 meters at a time. And it's, I struggle even at that because I grab the wall every time. And you know, it's always the same thing. Like I understand that it sucks right now. It's like learning how to walk, ride a bike or do anything else that's coordination wise. You have to actually struggle through it, feel it out. And then, you know, keep on going basically like sit there until you're, you finish whatever, 500 meters for the first time. And then the next week you're going to be able to do it a little bit faster, a little bit easier because you're going to fill out the water, but use those resources. Total immersion is one of those things that I always recommend. And everyone always tells me that they find it invaluable, all the information that they put out there and they do really well with that total immersion. So you guys can check that out as well. Um, as far as underwater training though, you know, as far as in the pool and stuff, a lot of guys out there and some of the pools don't allow it. Um, we know that we have to do some kind of proficiency in underwater training. So, you know, I tell guys the biggest thing that you can do, even if we're not trying to make you guys do 50 meter underwater before you show up, that's ridiculous. You don't have to do that. And it's dangerous to be able to do that because I've seen lots of people pass out doing it even after they've finished in dock or selection. So you have to really be careful with doing any of that kind of stuff. And I don't think it's necessary at all to do 50 meters before, but no, what I do think is necessary. Not, no. Yeah. Do the stroke, the keyhole stroke. That is um, something that you can really practice, just like practicing your freestyle, being efficient with your stroke, getting your number down for strokes across the 25 meters. That is going to be huge. So, yeah. Uh, do you guys if, have if, anything on that? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I agree with you. You don't need to be able to do 50s, but obviously, people are going to want to do underwater work and underwaters and stuff like that. So, uh, a lot of people don't have the you know, a team that they can train with yet. So if you're on your own, one, don't do it at your, your own personal pool because uh, if yeah. bad things happen, you're, you're solo, man. Like, that's it. But if you go to, you know, it's a YMCA and you actually find a pool that will allow you to do underwater work, um, just have that conversation and you're, and you're doing it alone. Um, have that conversation with that active, that lifeguard that's on duty and just say, hey, I'm about to do an underwater. You mind walking with me? So they, while you're underwater, they can actually 
walk next to you on the side of the pool and that way if they see you kind of go limp they can go in and get you well yeah but then they'd have to take that red floaty thing off their lap and get out of their chair that's not gonna that's not really gonna work this is one of those things like i did not even do like underwaters when i was getting ready to you know getting ready to go back to indoc and go back to selection like i did not do underwaters at all like it was not one of those things like i had a good keyhole stroke i did exactly what brian said which was i would start at the wall and i'd maybe do like my first pole or my first two poles tops and after that it was just nothing like i prioritized cardio so i prioritized being having a high cardio metabolic rate like being able to to operate very very high uh on a cardio threshold and i was like that's good enough like my oxygen my vo2 max if your vo2 max is higher that's going to transfer directly into as long as you're efficient transfer directly in to those underwaters so i practiced the the keyhole stroke and i practiced my actual underwater my first couple pulls and that was it like i i was i had no desire to be knocking out like 525s on the 130 training like i just oh, had no 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 i would not no 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 um yeah. you know, that's why i just, like, I just like, shied away from it i was like man i'm going to have i'm going to have enough of these coming up i'm good yeah there's going to be a few a couple of them but um but i mean there's there's other ways like if you're and, and I think this is not just for the pool. This could go into training partners. I know, Brian, on howtobeapj.com, you have the Cone Connect. Mm-hmm. But then there's also, um, you know, you can, if you are already linked up with a recruiter, and you, if you're linked up with a recruiter, you need to get linked up with a special operations recruiter. And then they can bring you into a development session, which will help train as well. But um, Sometimes I've seen it on Reddit and I've seen it on Instagram where people do a call out like, hey, anybody in the whatever area need a training partner for the pipeline or even on base. I, I know at McDill, there's guys that get together and they'll they'll either swim in the pool or they'll know can go out into the bay and start doing stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of guys that are. <clears throat> on my program and stuff, they link up and they end up doing like, you know, their own little hell day together. They end up just whatever they drive in from wherever in Texas and they start, you know, putting each other through some difficult times and just training all day together, eating lunch together, hanging out together because eventually, you know, all those guys are going to go into the military together at least. But if they have that camaraderie straight out the gate, whenever you're in basic and going through prep and everything, you guys know each other and you've hung out with each other's families or whatever. It's just that extra buy-in that everyone has and they get to have that full on teamwork from start to finish. Hopefully they all get to put on their brace together and, <laughs> you know, get that, that whole feeling of full circle. Like, you know, we started doing this, this workouts together and, you know, doing that whole thing. I think it's a huge benefit of social media and just the internet that there's so many opportunities out there to link up with people that are like-minded and that can push you. Like once you stop, start, um, falling away and you're like, man, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Or you have a day that you skip on training. You can have somebody to bounce ideas off of and go push you to train and push you to be better than you were. That way you show up, you know, more prepared. Cause if you're training in your own bubble, you're like, eh, I did five pushups better than when I started. I'm probably good. And you're only at like 55 or 60 or whatever. <laughs> right. Then you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Cause you don't know what's going on in the world use the resources that you have. And there's a ton of amounts are just like peach is saying. Well, also somebody somebody yes. that you're training with might actually have a really good technique that you didn't even consider. Yeah. You know, whether it's keyhole, like, hey man, I was watching you. Like we've had people send us videos of them doing underwaters or them doing, yep. uh, you know, pull ups and whatever. And so, yeah, and we just yeah. give them like, hey man, turn it this way or glide a little bit more underwater. Like it's just good to get that sounding board from from somebody else. Yeah, because just like Brian was saying, like you started from the bottom. But now you're here. <laughs> and if you have a team, like you, you can say that the, you started from the bottom, but now the whole team is here. You know? Oh, little Drake? Ooh. Dang. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that a rap quote? I didn't even know. Yeah. I just thought I made that up. <laughs> yeah, it sounded really well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there is no way you came up with that. No, I totally did. Yeah, I started from the bottom. Now I'm here. Started from the bottom. And now the whole team is stinking here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. bags. So overall in training, that is a huge thing. Use, use people around you and then uh, train safe and underwater. Let's go into some of the family aspect for those guys that are planning on having a family or, you know, breaking the news to your family kind of thing. Um, it's, it's a little bit diffi- 
different and difficult to tell them that you're going to be doing this kind of stuff out there, jumping out of planes, being shot at or whatever, calling in bombs. That's something that your mom probably doesn't want to picture you doing for the most part. So Trent, I'm going to go to you first. Um, you know, what would you say to people that are going to talk to their parents about this and how would you approach it? Lie a lot. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was actually a lot easier when I was a Southie and I could just be like, mom, I'm a weather dude. You know, like it's not that big of a deal. Uh, but I remember, you know, kind of telling my parents about it when I was always going to cross over. And the, the good thing was I didn't know anything about it. So they were like, Hey, what, what do you get into? I'm like, I don't know. It's a bunch of nerds that jump out of planes. And they're like, okay, like, are bunch you going to go, nerds. go overseas and do anything silly? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's part of AFSOC. So I'll let you know so when I let you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, this is definitely going to take us off topic a bit, but I have a theory that Nicolas Cage in The Rock is actually a special reconnaissance dude. Because if you think about it, he's a soup he's a super nerd that the whole team didn't like, but he got all of the gear and he still got to go on the mission. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty. And if accurate. you remember, his uh, his wife was the prom queen. So his uh, wife yeah. was the prom queen. Like she was. Yeah, it winner. works out. It does. Yeah. Oh, what a great movie. Just letting you know what, making sure you're aware of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Like a a little bit of ignorance helped in the beginning. And then once I really got into it and especially, um, I got that first rotation out of the way then I just didn't really talk about it. Um, my brothers eventually dimed me out to my mom and showed her some videos, you know, years (laughs) later and, uh, she got real concerned, but, uh, it, you know, it is what it is. And you know, like I'll, I'll call my parents every once in a while when I'm overseas and they're like, what are you up to? And you're like, you know, I can't talk about it. So just, I'm safe. So talk to you later. I'll see you next year. <laughs> see you I, later. I don't, I don't really have any great advice. Um, other than just do what you do and tell them as much as they need to know. And, uh, I actually had a, a, a warrant officer on my first rotation who told me, he's like, I call my wife once a week, tell her I'm safe, tell her I love her. He's like, that's all you need. They don't need to know everything else. Um, and so I just kind of adopted that model where I let my family and, and everybody know that I'm good to go. I'd be positive, but not too positive. I never tell my, you know, people that I'm having too good of a time while I'm away because that <laughs> leads to oh, bad things. Man, that's amateur hour. I, I, <laughs> I, I, sent, I made, so I was a man back in the day when I was a phys tech, I was supporting a team. We were in Key West to start, but Hurricane Andrew came through. So we had to go up to Herbie. I made the mistake. This is a, a, a huge mistake. I was like, yeah, we're going to be here. The weather's not good enough to jump, so we're basically not working today. Here's a picture of a swim-up bar at the hotel that we're staying at. <laughs> that was not a good idea. The, when there is an infant in the house, you do not send that picture back home. Bro. You idiot. Bro. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. No, but you, but you can't complain too much either because you don't want to stress out the people back home regardless of your situation. So, um, I don't know. I keep pretty limited comms, but, you know, you talk about anything except for what's going to cause them more stress or cause you more stress. Yeah, I yeah the, the limited comms, it cha- it depends on the person. Like, I I went, uh, I went three weeks without talking to my wife while I was deployed, and that was the time that I ended up getting um, blown up a couple times. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sure she was good and, with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then in the third week, well, somewhere in between, you know, me calling her, or those contacts, uh, somebody happened to mention like, oh, yeah, Peaches got blown up a couple times, you know. He's, you know, and she had found out that way. So uh, uh, wasn't, wasn't that great? Sorry. Not hard to explain Sorry. <laughs> One star out of five would not recommend no, no. <laughs> so I would say that is person uh, dependent. But I mean, I you know when I came in, I was I was seventeen, and and man, I hadn't left. I'd obviously been on trips away from home, but not no kidding left home. And man, I was probably on the phone with my my mom and dad. I think every day or every other day, especially because I'm just I'm young and I'm just getting my my stuff handed to me every single day. And I didn't really know how to deal with it being that young. That doesn't mean that other people don't know how to deal with it. It's just that that is how I was able to escape or whatever. 
Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is just obviously like we were talking about, all of us mentioned is having that open communication with whoever you care about, you know, just say, hey, this is what I'm planning on doing. This is where I'm going. These are like the resources that I have, you know things are a little bit different on whatever deployment you go to. You know, some places we went, we had a little like egg or whatever that had internet on it. We can like text and do that kind of stuff. Um, other places that we've gone, we just had the sat phone and everyone kind of passed it around and took your little turn doing whatever you had to do. But, you know, it's all kind of dependent on what you kind of expect out of each other. And, you know, every couple of days just say, Hey, everything's fine. No big deal. Send an email or whatever, you know, send a picture to your kids and that kind of thing. Um, so there are lots of opportunities to communicate back and forth with your family, but the biggest thing is to make sure that they know that you care going into it. And then during it, you know, you do as much as you can to make sure that you know that they know that you care and you're thinking about them because although, you know, we're out there doing our own thing, they're back at home, taking care of everything. So whenever we get back, it's kind of like, you know, everything's still together. And I'll tell you, being being the person (laughs) that's left behind when your spouse leaves it's yeah, not yeah, as much yeah. fun as I thought it was going to be. It's, <laughs> it's a lot harder than you think. It's a lot harder than you think. Hey, guys, this taking care of a whole household, not easy. It's, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, these kids are not easy to take care of, definitely. All right. So um, any uh, last shots on anything that you would do to kind of maintain the family bonds, make sure that everything's good back at home? I think the biggest thing is communication and making sure that they know you care for the most part. And then if you're breaking it to your family, you know, you have to have that open conversation too. Cause I know there, I get a lot of messages that are like, Hey, how do I break it to my family? Whenever I tell them that I'm going to join and do this kind of stuff. And the honest answer that I can give is you have to just tell them that this is yep. something that's important to you and that you're, you want to do it and you're going to do it, but you want them to support you, you know, and whatever you're going to do. And there's a good chance they already them. know that, Hey, this is what you want to do. If you're, if you were like, probably us um that's all you talked about mm-hmm. it, was, it was pretty apparent and um that transparency and honesty i think is is key yeah. when you're and telling i'll be the unpopular one of the family yeah I, this is an unpopular opinion i'm sure but this has to be a team decision like if you go to your spouse your significant other your kids whatever you have and you you talk through it and it's like hey we're uh we're not going to be able to do this thing man that might be the answer Like you really have to talk about it because then you're making a choice. Like you have to, in the end, you have to do what's right for your family. Your family is always going to be there. You can spend 30 years in this job. Guess what? You're going to get out and your family is still going to be your family. So, or they they won't be depending (laughs) on how you deal with it or they won't be right. Exactly. So what I was talking about was with your parents when you're (laughs) out of high school. Hey, maybe they're not going to be your parents either. Maybe they're not going to be your parents. Maybe they disown you, When it's with your wife and your kids, that's a little bit different. You're going to have to guide your, you know, based on whatever you both decide. I have no son. You want her to be there with you whenever you're done. I have no son. (laughs) I would say just just don't change it too much. If if you're, like, if you talk to your parents every day, uh, say you've already moved out of the house or whatever, and you talk to them every day, Try to keep up as much communication as possible, but like, so like, you know, again, we're not you. Like, I only talk to my parents like once a month, maybe. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but just don't be like that person that talks to them every day and asks for advice. And then uh, you join uh, the Air Force and you're in the pipeline and then all of a sudden you just go dark for two years. That's (laughs) going to cause concern. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I think that's a good place to end up. So we appreciate you guys listening to the podcast and we're going to go into some of this stuff again, just recap all the stuff that you should kind of get from this episode. Again, we talked about um, what you should do while you're in high school, what you should do about college and uh, exercising and the family. So with high school specifically, some of the things that we recommended was, um, you know, you should try and join like a team sport. You should do some kind of impact, like running kind of sport, uh, be careful with injuries and in football, take care of yourself, make sure you're not busted up before you show up to the pipeline and make sure you're ready to go. Um, and then also be around the people that are like-minded that are going to be pushing you towards those goals that you have and um, pushing you to do that. As far as, uh, college is concerned. We recommend that we talked about, um, you know, not going to paramedic school before you join. You want to actually 
take advantage of what the military is offering you and make a shorter course. That way you're not in debt when you show up and you um, don't have to worry about that. But if you do have a college or if you do have paramedic license, then you're current and you can go through the pipeline. You don't have to take it while you are in the pipeline as a PJ. Um, for you guys that are out there um, doing other sports and doing other things, um, yes, definitely enjoy the things that you're going to do. If you enjoy climbing mountains and you enjoy rock climbing or hiking or whatever, do those things, but don't do it specifically because you want to be, you want to show up everyone else that's on the team whenever it comes to mountaineering phase or whenever it comes to the rock climbing or whatever. Don't do it for those reasons. Do it because you enjoy doing it and enjoy those activities. Live in the moment and do everything that you can to gain experience. Go have fun with your friends. Go uh, road trips and enjoy your life before you show up. Enjoy the freedom. Not to say that you won't have freedom once you're in the military because you still will have time to do other things. Um, but you know, live your life and be, um, be your own person and enjoy that stuff. Um, as far as, um, when a person should quit their job, we talked about, you know, work within your means. And if you have time to do, you know, quit your job two months out and you can, uh, focus on your family, focus on working out and being prepared, then do that. If you, don't have those means and you need to work up until the day that you leave, just like Aaron was talking about, then you work up until the day that you leave and you prepare yourself that way. Um, but the main thing is balancing your time and balancing all your efforts on what is most important to you. If you need money, then work to get money and then work out afterwards and do that kind of thing. Um, as far as exercising, we talked about what a person should be doing before they join. Um, you know, you can check out any of my workout programs via pj.com. You can also, you know, do CrossFit is a huge thing that we talked about working with a team, lifting weights, um, showing that work ethic to all the people that are working out around you. That is huge. Um, but it's not the only avenue. It's not a sole way to get ready for the pipeline. You need to do some adjunctive type of workouts, whether it's, you know, running six mile cross country, you have to be prepared for those kind of things and include swimming. Of course, it's a huge thing that you're going to be doing while you're in the pipeline. And then, uh, in addition to that, we talked about training in a group and how you should be able to do that. We talked about the Cone Connect, BAPJ.com, other avenues on Reddit, Instagram, and you want to just be around those people and compare yourself so you're not working out within your own little bubble there. Um, lastly, we talked about family, how you should break the news and how you should kind of talk to your family. Uh, open communication and transparency is the key to any of this stuff as you're talking to your family. So talk to them and be on the same page as much as possible. Don't try and keep it a secret. And you know, the next thing they know, they talk to you two months later and you're downrange or whatever. So be, be open and be, um, transparent about that kind of stuff. So I want to thank you guys again. You guys have any last parting shots? Anything? I'm good. All right. Train hard. Want to thank you guys again for listening to the podcast. You guys can reach out anytime. We started this thing because it's an organic way that we can talk to you guys and update week by week, and we can give you guys the news and the knowledge that you need to know in order to be ready for the selection. If you guys ever need anything from us, you can hit us up on Instagram. You can email us. Um, we're always there for you guys. We're trying to build the team and make sure that you guys, all the lessons that we have from our previous experience is passed on to you and we make the career fields that we're um, you know, lucky enough to be a part of better than we ever had it and you know, give you guys the tools needed. So again, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys on the next episode. See you. Go out there and earn each breath. Light up.